When you talk about the Super Nintendo, obvious games come to mind such as Donkey Kong Country, Super Mario World, Mario Kart, F-Zero, but I think we're all guilty of at one point or another looking at one of these lists of uh, top 10 games of all time for a particular console and you've never played at least one or two of those games. And in our case, we got to talk about 1991's Super Castlevania that came out in October of that year. And at least for me, and we'll be talking about this with the other guys on the podcast, this is a, a game and a game genre that I was just never really too interested in up until now, where people talk about the Metroidvania. So we thought, why not go back to Super Castlevania and talk about that right here on another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new one available each and every Sunday. And we gotta give all of you an incredible shout out because with this episode, we have officially surpassed 5,000 listeners on a podcast app. So thank you so much. Keep those five-star reviews coming. And uh, people like myself, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico, we are gonna be very, very happy. Also happy from Boston, Massachusetts, we have Ryan McNulty. Now Ryan, when talking about Castlevania, do you have any kind of experience with those games? Castlevania is a series I probably didn't really get into until a lot later in my gaming career or life or whatever. It's not really a career, so we'll just say life. I was going to say like uh, early esports. Yeah, no, no esports for me. This is when I kind of got into retro gaming. That's when I went back and played the NES Castlevania. So, you know, watching Angry Video Game Nerd and a lot of kind of the retro game YouTube channels when those came out kind of in the early YouTube days, that's when I decided to to, uh, try out more NES games. And that's when I tried out the original Castlevania, which I've played uh, quite a bit of. I've never beaten it, but I have gotten pretty far into the game and and do really enjoy playing it but that was really the extent until trying out a game like symphony of the night Um, but i had always heard good things about this castlevania so i was definitely excited to try it out and then from uh, london ontario we have with me keith hamilton now keith in your case uh, same question do you have any kind of recollection or or experience playing the castlevania games Castlevania is a franchise that just completely missed me growing up. Like, I, this is the first Castlevania I've beaten. And the only thing that's really come close is Symphony of the Night, because growing up in a certain era of being a video gamer, like, it's almost, it's almost like a rite of passage. Like, it's one of those games that you need to play. But I only played it for a few hours, and the whole Metroidvania style never really clicked with me. Like, I've tried a few throughout the years <laughs> yeah and it doesn't help that i'm not great with them but i tried a few over the years but never a castlevania game and never really a metroid game like the first one i really got into was shadow complex on the xbox 360 and even then i never finished it so it's just something that i never really touched and with this game i think it's very different because uh growing up i really i always saw like the box arts for the castlevanias you know i played super nintendo growing up and i think i i knew a lot of people that played them but i was never interested in uh the first castlevania game i actually played i don't remember which one but it was one of the games for uh for the game boy advance and that came out i was in wisconsin and uh, i i remember buying it and hating it just absolutely i actually returned it i complained so hard because it was a used copy i think so uh, gamestop or eb games is pretty flexible around that time because i just didn't quite understand the gameplay and i think that 
because by then, you know, you had 3D games and I was in the mindset that if it's if it's a side-scrolling game, that's like the, the old retro gaming stuff, right? So I was uh, kind of naive in that sense. But the, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that this is the Super Castlevania 4 is technically before Metroidvania games because I believe with Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid, those games that have a more backtracky element, those are the yeah. ones that are more often than not brought up that's as Metroidvania. Really- what started it because this game is very linear so even though it kind of gets retrofitted into that i don't think this is one of those exactly yeah, not at all i mean that's so yeah I, I you know obviously super metroid kind of had that style but symphony of the night is like ps1 era um so yeah this is i think this was sort of the last castlevania game before they really took that style and added more like RPG elements and things like that. This is more akin to the, you know, the, the first Castlevania and really in a lot of ways, kind of a reboot remix, whatever. Yeah. Because let's not forget that the first game came out for the NES in 1986. This one came out in 1991. So about a year after the Super Nintendo, which I believe came out in November uh, 1990. And a couple of people on our Discord are actually pretty big fans uh, of this game. So anybody that wants to carry the conversation over, you can join the Discord over at acastedpast.com slash Discord. We have a video game section there. We can react to all that. And as I mentioned, uh, maybe consider subscribing or leaving that five-star review. But Taking it back to to these roots, I think it is very much a casual perspective, right? We know a lot of people that are just obsessed with not just this game, but like, I feel like Castlevania is one of those early, uh, you know, you have your like your RPGs with Final Fantasy and stuff, but there's something about this lore about Castlevania. Have you always like just noticed how many like huge fans of it there are? And how passionate about, you know, like with Zelda, you have 2D versus 3D Zelda. And with Castlevania, you also have that too, because you had like these, you have Symphony of the Night, but then you have uh, the the PS2 and PS3 generation Castlevanias. Uh, how surprised or, or amazed are you at just like how big of a passionate community there is for Castlevania? Honestly, not really, because look at all those other games you mentioned at the top of the show. Mario, Star Fox, Mario Kart, Kirby. All of those games are very kid-friendly. A lot of the stuff on the early Nintendo and Super Nintendo were very much like aimed towards young adults and children to get people into video games. Then on this whole other side, there's Castlevania, where you're getting rid of like the cute, um, the cute enemies, and then you have zombies and vampires and werewolves and giant skulls that look like they throw hot dogs out of them in this game. I'm going to reference that guy a few times because he's my favorite. But it was a much more like gritty and dark approach to a video game where in a lot of instances that didn't exist. Like you had your Contras and stuff that like had a more mature uh, style, but it was more mature in the way of like action movie mature where this was more dark and gothic and it really was one of the first if not the first one of those so just from that alone that's where probably most of the cult following comes from yeah the the castlevania series is one i've always you know had always heard about for years and years and like i said getting you know with youtube becoming a thing in the mid 2000s 
and early to mid 2000s, that's when I started to, you know, be introduced to a lot of these games that I'd always heard about. But, you know, YouTube brings this whole element of being able to see all this gameplay and things like that, because watching videos on the internet prior to YouTube was just a pain in the ass. But it really did open up the doors to be able to see all these games that you know, maybe I wouldn't have known to try, but, oh, you see a video on it. Now you're like, hmm, I'm going to check this out. But I've, you know, it had always been just one of those series you heard about, but you never really took the dive yourself. So um, after seeing some footage of it, it definitely looked like a fun game to try out. So before we actually get to our current reaction, something that I love is just trying our very hardest to contextualize if we played this back in 1991. You know, playing it now... Uh, we're going to get to like difficulty, some very questionable things, you know, the context of, you know, back in the day, uh, maybe as a kid, you didn't know if a game was hard, you would just keep playing it until you, until you eventually beat it. Do you think that if you actually got your hands on the cartridge, so let's say you actually just had it, got it as a gift and you had your chance to play back in the day, uh, would it have been something that would have kept your interest I think I would have given it more of a pass if I played it back when I was a kid, back when it was relatively new. Because, well, if I played it when it was new, I would only be one years old and my parents would be making questionable choices. But because I think as a kid, you have more patience for a game. You're willing to give it more of a pass when it ramps up difficulty in very um, unpleasant ways. And that was my experience with this game, playing it for the first time in 2020. And as somebody that has more commitments, that doesn't have as much time on their hands as they would when they were a kid, it makes you less patient with games that do that and makes me less incentivized to continue to go and try and find this pixel perfect jump that I need to take. I'm really, I'm more like, I'm more primed to fail at once and go, well, that sucked on to the next thing. And if I wasn't to do playing this for the show, it's something where I probably would have put the controller down a lot sooner than I would have if I was a kid. Yeah, I think if I played this as a kid, I think I would have got decently far through the game, but having played through the entire game, there's no way I I think I would have been able to beat this game because it's quite a gauntlet at the end. I I couldn't imagine being able to do that because it, it was quite difficult. Um, you know, the, obviously the benefits of Super Castlevania versus the original, they do have this password system. So it lets you kind of come back to a level, but there's a lot of kind of stages even within one level, right? So if you make it really far into a level and then you get game over, you just you have to start all the way back at the beginning. So that's really unfortunate. The original NES Castlevania, I believe you could continue at that at it the same level as many times as you needed to but obviously if you shut the game off You're you got to start from the very beginning um but uh, yeah at least they were you know the password system made it a little bit easier for people to progress through the game but again some of these levels are very long and to have to fight all the way back to a boss i could not see myself being able to to do that for some of these end levels you know i probably would have made it maybe three quarters of the way through the game yeah i was very happy we had a chance to play this and uh i know there's a lot of frustration on on the table the three of us i feel like uh for better or worse i feel like with when 
with some games, when the experience is kind of like going by, we usually don't really communicate until it's time to record an episode. But then with this one, I felt like uh, we needed to vent a little bit. Sometimes it's like you can't help it but go like, damn it, Gabe, why are you so hard? I was bad at games then. I was, I'm still bad at games now. So I don't think any of that would have really changed too much. But uh, talking about my experience playing this now, uh, as I mentioned, you know, this game came out for the Super Nintendo Classic. So I think anything that was included in that bunch, there's a reason. I, I feel like as a gamer, even if you don't beat the game, if it's on a classic, at least play it, right? So you can you can at least formulate some kind of opinion. I played this as part of the Castlevania collection on on the Switch. And even though I completely understand why people love the game, it is a, a beautiful game. I love that some stages, I think it's like called like Mode 7, I believe it was, like all yes. the Super Nintendo features. So there's like a lot of detail. It looks stunning. Man, the music did they is great. work that chip to the bone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like some parts, like so especially some of the swinging elements, because, yeah, you do have a whip as the primary weapon. We should contextualize a little bit for those that haven't played the game. Uh, you play Simon Belmont, I believe is the main character. Uh, you have to basically kill the bad guys. It's almost like any other game. But how you actually go about doing it, you know, you get secondary abilities and specials, and that's really good. And you progress throughout a variety of different stages. It's great. But I think that as a gamer, I play games for the experience, not so much the frustration and the difficulty. And uh, this is where, if it were not for the podcast, I would have played like a solid hour. And I would have said like, you know what? I got a really good hour. I completely understand why people uh, like the game. What was your guys' take on that? I think it was a very similar take. I, th I think, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, older generation gamers, 3D games are actually harder for them than 2D games. They can't understand why people have such difficulty with 2D games. But really, you know, we played a lot of the 2D games when we were pretty young. So we grew up mostly like when we got to the age where we were beating video games, they were 3D. So that's probably always going to be our forte um, for the most part. Granted, you know, there's a lot of modern 2D games, but uh, I always find 2D games to be a lot more difficult. And uh, this game, yeah, I'm save stating like a mother effer <laughs> because, you know, we want to get through the game. We want to see everything it has to offer. Um, but there's, there is a lot of frustrations and I'm totally with you Juan. if, if we weren't playing it for the podcast, I probably would have played it for a similar amount of time, uh, you know, maybe a little bit longer, but around the same range and the, the frustration would have definitely kicked in the password system definitely would have helped, you know, get me through it a little bit further. But, uh, and, you know, I like to play games legit, but in this case, with some of the, the difficulty I was running into, I'm just, I, I hit a point, I was using passwords at first, eventually I hit a point where I'm like, if I'm going to get through this, I'm going to need to save Keith, state because I don't, it's just I, I, pretty difficult. I need difficult. to interrupt Ryan right now because I forget what episode it is. And someday in the I next 10 years. I was like, I'm going to play every game legit. Is that what yep. you're going to say? Yeah. I remember, I think it was like the Link to the Past episode. It was one of the first five episodes we yeah, did. Yeah, I think Ryan the last time it got brought up. Out, yeah. boy. And now here he is, Mr. Safe State. Ryan. If you should had, be able to beat a link to the it. past. All right. <laughs> right. If you had to ballpark it, how many times would you say you safe state a during this? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> and for those who don't know, a thousand is it a one, three digit a number? Yeah. Oh, it's a four digit number. Ooh. No, it, 
I would say it was probably at least in the like 40s or something. Eventually, you'd get to a certain part. Like, man, I was safe stating mid Dracula phases, okay? Because yep. <laughs> yeah, there, there I think we some, all got to that point. Yeah, there was some bullshit. All right, that lightning at the end, you oh. have not only is like the hitbox just not right, something was off, but you just had you had like two frames to move if to, to avoid that lightning. And imagine doing that. Like, having to play through the whole fight to get to that point, you know what I mean? Like, that was the crazy thing about, to kind of go a little bit off off the beaten path here, but with the save stating, right, it allowed you to practice an end phase of a boss way faster because you didn't have to play through the other phase. It still took me forever to beat Dracula, just replaying that final phase. I can't imagine playing that legit i just i would have given up there's no way i would have made I, it. I feel like before we actually even get to the game and uh, i want to start keith with uh your opinion on this i think the topic of safe states is like it's one of the main topics that i see people talk about because you know now with like the switch you know officially you can play donkey kong country right now on switch and we know like i think dkc2 is a lot more difficult than the first one but back in the day you had the your continues and stuff, but officially you can safe state. You know, I played this in the Castlevania collection. Safe stating is an option. For those who don't know, you can save whenever the hell you want and load whenever the hell you want. So you're not getting the authentic, if you will, original, official experience. And some people say that that maybe damages what the developers initially intended. And Keith being the more sane one of this podcast, I would love for you to just Talk about that. What's your take on that? My take on it really boils down to one sentence of who gives a shit? You know what? If you're going to spend your money on this and you're going to like, why would you spend your money on something and then limit yourself to have like the least amount of fun like if if that is your thing if you want the authentic experience great then you know what you can do that and but if somebody's there and they choose to have these limitations and or like they want to just get through the game and save state their way through it that's okay too. Guess what? You both spent an equal amount of money on it, so why not have the experience that you feel best having? Now I say that, but I do think that there are limits that you need to put on it. Like if you save state your way through a fight and then go, well, that was really easy. Well, then I think you're wrong. You need to, you need to respect the fact that you're changing the experience, that you're um, making the experience more customized for yourself um regardless of what way you do it so i guess what i'm trying to say is it doesn't matter how you enjoy it i guess it's more important that you actually sit down and enjoy it and if something like save stating gets you to that point then it's okay it's fine guess what and especially with these collections that are coming out uh in the last couple of years if they didn't want you to do that then they wouldn't have thrown the option in there right so even though it's not the original developer's intention well guess what it, the people that put it together it's your 
you're it's their intention to get through it because maybe they're on the same page of oh this has gotten a little hard compared to what everybody used to be akin to so if you're out there kind of poo-pooing on it maybe have a look in the mirror and that's all i'm saying <laughs> now yeah that's the thing is i i i think you make a great point keith First of all, I think in my defense, I'm pretty sure in the Link to the Past thing, I said I was going to finish every game, and I did technically finish the game. <laughs> but I, I think I did poo-poo on you guys for save stating at another point. So. And you didn't finish RE2 on time for that episode. I didn't finish RE2 yeah, on time. Yeah, and we never heard we about that. that again. <laughs> we did not. But I did finish it eventually, to be fair. <laughs> Nevertheless... I get why they put it in the game, especially if it's on the Switch console. And I know I know they did it with the Wii U and things like that and other systems, but especially on a handheld system, you may have to put the controller down at any time or shut the system off, whatever. So it, it is nice to be able to save at any point so you can get back to exactly where you were. Now, it, and it's just a way to make it accessible for modern audiences, right? Because NES games were brutally hard. And a big reason for that was... You know, the games were super expensive for their time. And also, they were they were trying to extend the lifetime of a game by making it very difficult. Because people probably... Average, if you look at the game collection of probably someone who had NES games at the time, you know, I think most kids probably were lucky to have maybe five games max. You know what I mean? Like oh, Absolutely. Not, not everyone was going to be able to have the full 800 game library, 800 plus game. So, you know, if you wanted someone to feel like they got their money's worth, then they had to to make you get hours and hours of playtime. But if Castlevania, the original Castlevania was super easy, it's six levels, right? It's six levels. If you were able to breeze through six levels and you paid $60 or whatever the equivalent price was at the time, you'd be pretty pissed. And Super Nintendo, you know, I think that's the point, you know, they were still in that era. And I think the save states are there so that modern audiences can go back, appreciate the games, but not end up hating them. They can, they can look back at it fondly without being frustrated. Absolutely. And if we're talking about the Castlevania franchise in that respect, look at Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. It was the poster boy of arbitrarily increasing length by being vague and not fully telling you what to do. Like, it, hey, all the power to you if you were a kid that played Simon's Quest and didn't have to buy a copy of Nintendo Power to figure out exactly what the hell to do. But that game was made to sell subscriptions to Nintendo Power so you could call the Nintendo hotline, the cheat line, and ask for hints on how to get through a certain section of that game. So Castlevania has a bit of history of that. And I think just generally speaking, the reason that I wanted to talk about this before we even get to the gaming experience is that I feel like at the end of the day, companies want your damn money. And I think Ryan hit the money right there uh, where games were short back then because they were hard. Because if they were too easy, imagine you spend $60 on a game. You beat it in two hours, and then your parent will be, will be yelling at you, well, you freaking have the game. Yeah. I, I guess you got to play limit, it again. You know, limitations of the console. They could only do so much. They could only fit so much in a cartridge. So to make, to extend the difficulty, you make it super hard. 
exactly. And they reused a lot of sprites and stuff. Obviously, RPG games are different, but I think that just for context, because this is like one of the first games that we're playing now that does lean into those more difficult games. Like uh, a couple of months ago, we talked about Spyro uh, on PS1. I think that's like the complete opposite, right? What happens when a game is almost not like super easy, but like the difficulty is not even part of the conversation. This game, so much of it is, but I think that the way that Keith talked about it is how I feel about these games, which is I have no shame in, in admitting that whenever I play these very difficult games, I save state. However, I need to realize that I can't have any bragging rights. I can't go to a boss, like Keith mentioned, and said, I don't get what people complain about this online, right? It's like not that difficult. It's like, it's not my conversation to have. But I can at least say, I got through the boss. I kind of understand the experience. And for me, like, uh, it's like kind of like the games that have easy, normal, and hard. It's the same thing. The moment they give you any kind of option, like you Keith will brag about it, heart. you will tweet out that you one-shotted a boss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I did kind of do that for that you one. Just, you just left out all the save stating you did to get there. I mean, that is, that is <laughs> Ryan. We are recording right now. You do realize that. You can't yeah. make me look bad, man. You can't do that, Ryan. <laughs> I just had to call you out a little Damn bit it. there. Damn it. I, I didn't even think about that damn second part. So Ryan, uh, Juan, you hypocrite ass. Okay, Keith. What would you say is your over having having talked about all of this? Castlevania Four, Super Castlevania Four. How did you enjoy that experience? What did you think of it? Honestly, I'm happy that we chose this game to play, just because it's not something that you think of when you talk about like some of the best games of all time. But you don't think of it, but it's very, very close to that rung, and it's good to experience that and see why so many people love this game. And even though we had difficulties with it and it was extremely challenging, I could absolutely see why people loved this back in the day and still think of it so fondly because it does a lot of cool things with the Super Nintendo like especially with some of the mode 7 stuff there is that one hallway that you're showing right now in the video version that I felt like I needed to vomit when I was in that <laughs> circular tube that was, it was completely a flex because it really had no bearing on the actual gameplay no it didn't it was just there to make you feel like you needed to throw up but beyond that it does some very cool things with the Super Nintendo and can Considering that it came out only a year after the release, like I think that's super impressive. And I could totally see this as one of the games that really showed off like this is why you need to get a Super Nintendo. And this is completely just a guess not having this nostalgia. But I feel like that's where a lot of people's fondness comes from or comes from this game. Because... I do think that it suffers from a lot of the problems that platformers from this era uh, have, where it's a lot of fun at first, but eventually they make they increase the difficulty at a steady pace where it becomes unfair. And instead of like making new interesting things, they just make it harder. They make the jumps harder. There's a lot of jumps later in the game that you look at and think to yourself, well, I shouldn't make that. 
And then and there's some instances where you don't. You're actually clearing the jump as you hanging like a pixel off of the actual platform. I noticed that a few times playing it. And they increase the difficulty that way in a way that isn't fun throughout the entire experience, especially with the boss fights. Screw those dancing people. They can oh, the oh, die. Oh, people suck. Oh, they can die in a fire even though they're already <laughs> ghosts. But I, I wasn't a big fan of the way that the game increased in difficulty, but I enjoyed my time with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say for this game, I was super frustrated. You know, Super Nintendo liked to use the word super all the time, and we had Super Castlevania 4. Well, I was super frustrated once I got to the mid to late game. Uh a lot of annoying platforming moments. There's those platforms that you jump on and they like flip on you if you don't jump Screw immediately. Those. And that it was, it just felt off. It felt like you hit the jump button, but then you somehow still fell and died. Um, what I think, because the interesting thing is I've gotten pretty far into the original Castlevania and I would actually say I prefer the original Castlevania because it had the stiff NES platforming mechanics, but I don't feel like they had to... They didn't go ham on the whole platforming part in the original Castlevania. And I felt that it had the right mix of platforming and combat. Um, for Super Castlevania, I will give it credit. The The whip hooking onto things is actually pretty interesting. The fact that you can actually um, lower your whip to get a better swing, I thought was cool and didn't even realize I could do that until like way later in the game. Um, so I'll give them credit. That was an interesting mechanic. But what this game feels to me like is you have Super Nintendo graphics, you have Super Nintendo combat, but the platforming is still stuck in the NES era. It You feel very, like, si controlling Simon for platforming feels very stiff and just, I, I don't know how to, else to explain it, but you you look at other platforming games on the Super Nintendo and they, they control just, like, buttery smooth, right? And this game, like, the platforming feels stuck in the NES era. That's if what I they, was thinking. Yeah, it's a, in one little thing. If enemies hit you and you didn't bounce back, I can oh, fall off the, a cliff. The knockback, the, the knockback would have been significant if it didn't exist. Would have been a whole different conversation. But even still, the jumping, you know, the fact that Simon, he, he can't like pick up any type of momentum for a jump and things like that. It just it felt very stiff. That's the only word I can I can really. It makes think a lot of sense it. because I was trying to think like I enjoy most of it, but something until what you just said now, like now just find out click, which is to me, even though I was playing a Super Nintendo game and it looked like a Super Nintendo game it kind of felt like I was playing an NES game, and I think it's the jumping. Like uh, what Keith yeah. sort of mentioned earlier, I always felt like I, I did have these multiple moments where I just kept wondering, like, do I actually get to make that jump? Because uh, in a couple of platforming areas, I wouldn't make it, so I would think like, oh, maybe I got to go somewhere else. But it's just like, it's kind of like uh, way too stiff. I don't like that. You do get that pushback. But a lot of other games have pushback in the Super Nintendo, but I think that the way they animated, it doesn't bother me. But this game, it did feel like there was still so much jank. I don't know 
if this game was initially developed for the NES or they wanted to keep that throwback style. You know, I did play a little bit of Symphony of the Night. I don't think it's for me, uh, or maybe I do want to go back to it now after beating this one. But I think that I've kind of been spoiled. I think this is where it's just so difficult to try and play this game and forget that I played Super Mario World or Donkey Kong or any of those other games. I know the style is different, but you're moving from left to right and you're jumping, right? I can't help but make that comparison. And I think that's the one part of this game that really did frustrate me because did it happen with you guys, especially in the boss fights where you have some platforming, you know, you got to jump where I felt like I knew exactly what I had to do but more often than not, I would fail, and it was because the jumping was so yeah, stiff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's why we all hated the ballroom dancers or whatever, because platforming was needed to beat that boss, because it, it came at you so fast, and you had those upper platforms that you had to make it to to kind of jump over them. Uh, and that, that is it, where you could easily miss a jump if you were not perfectly lined up. And yeah, I think that was really the biggest thing for me and what frustrated me the most. I mean, some of these bosses were ridiculously difficult, but the the platforming just, you know, for Super Nintendo, you know, the Super Nintendo platformers I've played have always just felt so smooth and you can go back and play Donkey Kong or Super Mario World to this day and it feel it still feels it feels like a modern game. You know, it doesn't feel like there's anything dated about the platforming in those games. But for this, it just kind of like like you said, it, it feels like an NES game. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it. The fact that it feels like an NES game, because if you're looking at games that came out around it, even early SNES, like compare this to Super Mario World, it's night and day how much better Super Mario World feels compared to Castlevania. So that could be exactly it. It could just be a NES game with like a fresh coat of paint on it control wise. And just that's where a lot of the jank comes from. So what would you guys say is your favorite thing about it? I think uh, rightfully so. We even talked about this in our Link to the Past episode, Super Mario World, where like uh, we're not here to just circle jerk around the fact that, hey, here's an amazing game. Here's like no reasons why it's bad. I think that the jumping definitely uh, does feel old, but there's a reason we chose this game. And even though I, I am like super frustrated with my experience, when I eventually got the credits, I was like, okay, you know what? Frustration aside, I'm super happy. Like, I have no regrets at the fact that I played this game. What would you guys uh, take away from your overall experience that you really enjoyed? Even though it wasn't the most, they weren't like the most fun gameplay wise, I really enjoyed the bosses in this game. I really enjoyed the aesthetic of everything around them. And even though it was sometimes fighting against the controls, figuring out the patterns and figuring out the mechanics, as somebody that um, kind of like always looked at Castlevania from a distance, to me, that's what Castlevania is making your way to those bosses and then fighting these like gothic scary creatures a special shout out to the skull near the beginning of the game that just shoots hot dogs at you you're still my favorite person even though i think they're <laughs> supposed to be tongues but you're you're great just the way you are buddy but <laughs> just getting to those bosses and then a special shout out to the music i think the thing that really shines with this game is what they were able to do with the music chip in the super nintendo creating a very 
Castle Dracula like feel, like very haunting, very symph like um like symphony like songs that you would that you kind of uh, relate to like castle dark castle music, and they did great with that. Yeah, I think you guys touched on a lot of the great positives. Um, yeah, again, the the art style I, I think is great. The music is great. Um, I, I really like that it follows sort of the original lineup of bosses, how you fight Frankenstein and, you know, the Grim Reaper and, and eventually Dracula. And they even have kind of at the end, you hear some of the music from the first game and Super Nintendo, like with the Super Nintendo chip and everything. So um it really hits on, you know, if you were someone who enjoyed the original Castlevania on the NES and then this this one takes that game that you loved and, you know, turns it up to 11, um, I, I really like that they do that. And I have a lot of respect for the difficulty of this game because even save stating my ass off, it was hard. Even save stating mid boss fight, this game is hard. So yeah, you I have still a, need to be precise, even yeah, if you're yeah. doing that precise thing yeah. eight times. So I I respect the difficulty. I give so much credit to people who have beaten this game straight up because it is it is not easy. Yeah, we salute you. you get a yeah. a cast of the past salute if you have beaten this game legit. This so. game it is a game that I want to immediately go watch a speed run of when I'm done yeah. recording this episode just to let that blow you know, my it, it brains probably out. Probably someone like mess with the password system and it just takes you to the end credits or something like probably. that. That's the speed run. Why not? My favorite thing about the game, and I think the main reason that kept me going is kind of going back to what Keith mentioned. It does such an amazing job of making you feel like you are where you need to be from uh, the music to the sprites. Like um, as a kid, I don't think from a gameplay standpoint, and this is very, uh, very interesting. I don't think from a gameplay standpoint, I would have played a lot of this game growing up, but visually this is something that I would have hooked me in immediately because uh, towards the end of the game, you know, when you're finally getting to the final boss, you beat the, the skeleton or one of the enemies, but then you're walking through this hallway and then the fire just keeps turning on as you're getting ready for that final boss. And I'm just like, man, just those little attention to details was still missing in a lot of games. A lot of games would just literally have the boss fight, right? But I love that. Every boss looked different, felt different. Uh, I love that every single world felt different. The the characters, the enemies. I can think of a stage and think of, a, of an enemy, and it belongs in that stage. So I applaud them immensely for doing all of that. And I do think that a lot of people, uh, looking up lists, this is not most people's number one Castlevania game. I looked up like... Uh, uh, multiple top 50, top 10s. This tends to be like in the number 10 slot, number 9, number 5, depending I on mean, the lists. It's going against Symphia of the Night, so that makes sense. Exactly, right? Like, more often than not, uh, I've seen a Rondo of Blood is number 1, uh, Aria of Sorrow from the Game Boy Advance. I think that's the one that I was uh, yeah. I, I played. I, I think there's kind of like, there's the newer Castlevania style that people like, and then there's the old school people. And I think the old school um, fans, it seems to be that Castlevania 3 is the big one, but this is also usually up there. And then I think the people who enjoy the more RPG Metroidvania style will usually put Symphony of the Night. Absolutely. So 
considering the fact that this is just a year after the uh, Super Nintendo's release, how influential or important, like, uh, let's not forget, you know, we played games, a lot of games in that generation. Do you think this influenced other games that we played back in the day and we maybe didn't even realize it? Have you played other games that have that Dracula style or that type of gameplay with the whip. I mean, I think the whip is maybe, and I know this isn't about this game, you know, this goes all the way back to the origins of Castlevania, but there's gotta be like a lot of influential things that this game did bring to future generations. And when it comes to Super Nintendo, at least like based on the games that I played, I can't really think of any. Uh, yeah, what about you guys? Yeah, neither can I. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around something that would be like a direct one-to-one and I can't really. Do you think maybe it's just a case the, that maybe people... Maybe Indiana Jones Super Nintendo game because you use a whip. I don't <laughs> even know. I don't even know when that came yeah, out. How about the other Konami platformers because it helped Konami do platforming. Uh, I got nothing. It came I out in 94, so maybe it took some Castlevania influence. The Maybe. Indiana yeah. Jones Greatest Adventure. That game is pretty difficult too, actually. Yeah, because it's kind of tough to say anything because... You really have to look at Super Metroid and the Castlevania franchise taking so much from Metroid and Super Metroid and adapting it as its own in later releases that really Super Castlevania didn't even influence the rest of Castlevania. So it's, I don't know if it's influential at all. I'm sure there's something that we're not thinking of. And if you're sitting there screaming at your monitor or screaming into your headphones, please let us know and join the discord and scream at us. There. Exactly. exactly. Please. I love that. Cause there has to be something, but I kind of beca- get it though. I, I think you kind of mentioned it, which is notice that remove the actual movement of the character. And I think everything else is pretty great, right? You talk about Super Metroid. Now, I played very little of Super Metroid because, like, I just don't like backtracking in games. But from what I have played, the first thing I thought about Metroid, I'm like, man, this game feels pretty freaking smooth. So it would not surprise me that somebody in the company said, hey, we have we have the base thing, which is like the lore, the characters, the music. We have all that stuff. Maybe we just got to make it a little bit smoother. And I think even the Game Boy Advance games, you look at the animation of the characters. And from what I do remember in those games and like Ryan, you know, ever since then, who hasn't watched like a Castlevania retrospective or something? I feel like I haven't played any game except this one, like in full, but I've watched almost damn near every single game (laughs) at this point. And the first thing I think about is those look so much smoother than this one uh, than this one did although this one could have looked a lot better cuz i mean look at super mario world look at other games but uh, i do think that combination would have been uh, pretty great what about you ryan anything that stuck out to you uh, from this game that you're like okay this is this is like i can understand why it's so uh, so important in super nintendo or video game history i mean i, I definitely think it has importance for the series in you know with the whip itself being able to whip in the multiple directions and in the swinging and even the fact that you had to use that like dangle whip thing i don't know if they use that in future games but 
Um, to, to think of its influence, I can't think of any Super Nintendo games off the top of my head that were inspired by this or later games. But there is a couple of games, you know, Rondo of Blood, Bloodlines, Dracula X, that those were all between Symphony of the Night. We're kind of talking like Symphony of the Night is the next step. But there are those other games kind of in the mix. So we don't know how they took certain things from Super Castlevania. I imagine the, the platforming aspects got a lot smoother in those later entries. But um, th- that's kind of a middle chapter of those games I'm just not that familiar with. Aside from, again, angry video game nerd who is very passionate about Castlevania, I think has a whole video on this and that's really the extent of my knowledge on those games yeah so everybody watching and listening please let us know because what i appreciate so much about the series is that there are so many freaking games it is insane like uh this uh, on the video version i've been highlighting a list and this list has how many castlevania games jeebus there are 36 there are some puzzle games in there but like uh, how many franchises can you think about that right where it's just like not just one, not two, and also the amount of consoles and handhelds that it came out for. So like PC Engine, Genesis, you know, the PS1, uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. When you think about Castlevania, it, it is fascinating to see how many different versions you can play, like from the very basic to Game Boy to like, you know, the PS1 version to like the Game Boy Advance, you know, which people absolutely loved. Uh, is there any other game, guys? Uh, this is going to be the closing off question. I'm going to put you in the spot, uh, Keith. So Ryan, if Ryan needs to look up something, Keith, like we can give him some, we can give him some leeway. No, thanks, but I don't. Exactly. <laughs> Get ready, man. All right. Super Castlevania. You even said it yourself. You understand why it's part of that great video game conversation. Is there any other game that you always hear about, like the the Super Nintendo NES generation, but you're like, man, for as great a game, I've yet to play it. Is there anything else that uh, comes to mind? The first thing for me personally that comes to mind is Zelda 2, because it's just something I've never played, and it took such a different direction from Zelda 1, but is still looked on fondly for, uh, after all this time has passed, it makes me curious about what makes that so special or what makes people look at that so fondly, whether it's something that actually holds up or not. That's really tough to say, but there's something that attracts people to that experience. And as somebody that never plays it, it's very intriguing to try and figure that out myself. You sure you want that? <laughs> I don't know. That's no. that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I, I'm a bit, yeah, Zelda 2, it's going to mix because you'll probably see more people shut that game down than than talk it up but i think it it is remembered fondly i think with a lot of old school people and people that you know use guides like i did and found ways to enjoy it um for me though i think there's two games and they're very different types of games um at least in the super nintendo era that I do feel like I completely missed out on, but obviously heard a ton about Earthbound being one of them that Mm, people rave about that series and they want what is it the third is it the third one they want to come to the US? Where they just will scream at the top of their lungs. 
Yep. And then the other one that I know, I think Juan is a, a fan of at least many of entries in the series, but Mega Man X in that whole series, I've never really touched that. And I know people rave about the Mega Man X series. Yeah, if you're talking about games that we will need to save state our way through, let's talk about Mega Man. <laughs> and I love that you mentioned that, Ryan, because I'm a Mega Man fan, except for the actual Mega Man games. Like, <laughs> I played a bunch of the spinoffs, except, uh, like, I played Mega Man X, like, a whole... Uh, I played it for maybe, like, five hours, but of the exact same, like, up until the first boss, I feel good, and then I stopped playing it. I played, like, Battle Network, Mega Man Legends. I played a, a variety of those games. So, uh, I actually had Mega Man Legends, uh, Mega Man uh, X as my pick for that, because... It is the thing that I love watching it, but it is so difficult. It is so relentless. And you want to talk about relentless games, uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts on the Super Nintendo is yeah. another game that I've tried. I mean, that that may be the game I don't game think I that, can make it past the first screen of the NES no, one. Like I've tried, and I have tried, dude. I... I, when I first got the Super Nintendo Classic, that was the game. I was like, you know what? It's like, uh, I'm going to freaking do this. It's after Hurricane Maria. You know, Puerto Rico's messed up. Let me try that. No, man. I got Su nothing. Super Goals and Ghosts was a game that when it showed up on the SNES uh, Switch, uh, uh, call it library, I told myself, I will beat this even if I save state through every screen. I still have not beaten it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, even to save stating every second, you're eventually going to mess up and save state right before an enemy kills you, and then you're yep. just like, I'm done. Yep. Yeah. So everybody, please uh, let us know when you think about that NES and Super Nintendo library, is there any game you would like us to talk about in the future that is not so commonly known? But it is a, like a, when you think about like top 10 games, it's often at the number 10, right? It, it never makes it to like number five through number one, but it's always part of that conversation. Uh, please let us know. And as always, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash ACAST of the past. You can also email us directly at ACAST of the past at gmail.com or join the Discord. Ryan, I've said ACAST far too many times. Like, so uh, give the Discord link if, uh, if you will. Well, you can go to acastofthepast.com slash discord. Join the conversation over there. We talk about food. Juan gets donuts every week and, and posts pictures. Yeah, can we talk about that for a minute? You have a problem, buddy. <laughs> this this donut don't thing you don't has even turned know. into a serious <laughs> issue. This, this Saturday, okay, only two people know this. One of them being my wife. I ate a full dozen donuts. And when I say full dozen, it's not just like a glaze and like I'm talking like filled and all that and a pint and a half of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Good Ooh. God. And Mexican food. Arepa. I'm That's, lying. Uh, <laughs> you, know what? you know what? If you're going to do cheat days, do big, but... I yeah, think this right? yeah. this pastry obsession. I'm I'm starting to worry about you. I don't buddy. know how your stomach isn't just completely wow. There's Hats a reason off. why I do it Saturday, Ryan. There's always Sunday. <laughs> and with that Sunday, said, <laughs> yeah. Sunday is your day of rest, but unfortunately exactly. not for your digestive system. Yeah. And speaking of digestive systems, we will be back with another exciting <laughs> episode of a cast to the past, which you can digest every Sunday as well around noon 
and by just digest i mean listen for a new episode everybody just think about the fact that when you listen on sundays i am just dying from the day after (laughs) and by dying he means pooping just (laughs) big old old dumper giant dumper (laughs) 